You're listening to a podcast from 702. It's 24 minutes to 3, and thank you for staying with us. Kolani will be with you from 3 till 6 o'clock, but right now we bring you health and wellness. And we're looking at something that I had never really come across before, maladaptive daydreaming. Um, looking at it, or when you think of daydreaming, it's like an altered state of consciousness. We all do it. It's said to be health, a healthy thing for the mind. And, you know, we see it as normal. But what happens when it starts to interfere with your life? Uh, because the mind wonders, you know, when you're bored, um, the mind can tend to wonder wanders off into fields of fancy that can be filled with imagery and experiences that you can't possibly or you know that you're not having in your real life and Sigmund Freud has said or referred to daydreams as a tool um, to experience repressed desires and um, instincts that aren't acceptable in our waking world so what are maladaptive daydreams Um, and uh, is there any harm from uh, maladaptive daydreams so to guide us through this as we take your calls as well is clinical psychologist and um, cognitive behavior therapist dr kalinda linda good afternoon thank you so much for uh, for being with us today afternoon nice to be here oh i don't even know where to start with this it sounds like I one know. of those very strange new discoveries is this a recent uh, is this um a new f- uh, i don't know i want to call it field per se but are we only now starting to understand uh, uh, maladaptive daydreaming you know, this term has been around since about 2002, okay. and it's exactly what you were saying, that daydreaming becomes maladaptive when it's this ex- excessive fantasy activity. Mm. So it's almost like what we see nowadays with kids and their devices, you know, that they've got these avatars and they're, they're living themselves through their games. So it, around about the early 2000s, there was a psychologist who came up with this term, and he says that it's a problem when it replaces human interaction. Mm. Or the other problem is if it interferes with your functioning, like your social, interpersonal, academic, or your work. Mm-hmm. So and I, I think he didn't, at that time, link it to devices, yes. you know, gaming and screens. But I, I think there probably should be a link for nowadays. Ah, yes. Uh, uh, considering the, adv- or the, the, the extreme use, excessive use often yes. of uh, technology. So yes. how different is it from just regular daydreaming you know and when you regularly daydream well say if you're just sitting somewhere passing time Mm. the function is similar that it's something fun it's you're not enjoying where you are so say you're in a queue or you're sitting in a waiting room it's not pleasant it's not fun so what you do it's similar to what freud said you you just go into the internal fantasy and you start thinking about holidays or something fun or what if you won the million or mm-hmm. you know so so when we daydream we're doing the same thing we're magically transforming our experiences into something desirable or fantasy mm-hmm. we don't typically daydream like freud said about murdering people or repressed things that's more dreaming that will come out so we oh. <laughs> how abrupt was that clinical psychologist dr colinda linda will come back to her um, as we talk about maladaptive daydreaming which is seen to be a uh, daydreaming uh, um, that preoccupies your time your waking time more than it should uh, and we'll get to, uh, get back to her so she can describe um, what it's like what characterizes maladaptive daydreaming uh, so uh, do you find that you daydream excessively um, does it concern you 
living in a world of fancy, perhaps, of your imagination, more than being in the present, you know, more than uh, addressing the things that are confronting you now. So give us a call as well if you have any source of concern, because my curiosity also had to do with um, children who... Uh, pretend play or who role play and uh, um, children who often have imaginary friends, can this be a trigger to maladaptive daydreaming? Because that has been said to be healthy. It's said to be normal and healthy for children to have imaginary friends and engage in pretend play. Um, so how does this potentially interfere with your life um, and how does it manifest? We've got the doctor back and uh, we'll take your calls as well on 011-8830702 and 3172 for your SMSs. Um, so let's pick up where you left off, um, Dr. Linda. You were still telling us about um, maladaptive daydreaming and how it can interfere. Right, right. So, so basically, when you start to relate to your fantasy too much, mm. you know, say you're dreaming about being, say let's take you've got a medieval theme or a fantasy theme where you're a superhero or something, because we do that. So if you start um, you know, checking out, so say you're at school and you're checking out of class or you're at work and you're checking out in a meeting mm. um, or you know, in, at home, you're checking out, you're going internally too much, you're almost getting lost in your fantasy and it starts to feel that that's more important and more relevant. Mm. But what's important to say is that this is, it's often confused with schizophrenia and this is not schizophrenia. So in, in maladaptive daydream, you know that it's not real. Okay. Even if you're really identifying with the characters or the fantasy, but you're not hearing voices and you know what's reality and what's fantasy. Oh, so you can distinguish between much. the two. Yeah. Unlike yeah. people with schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so can we, exp- has it been known to bring about actual physical actions being acted out? in real life whilst we're daydreaming? Because we're in that fantasy world mentally. Are we likely to act out certain things then? You know, it can get there. So say, for example, if you were sitting in a meeting or a a family function or, you know, something, Mm. and somebody was annoying you, and in your mind you were fantasizing, I wish I could just, you know, Mm. reach out and throw a cushion at them and smother them. Mm. You know, if if that were a regular thing, you know, at some point there is a possibility that you might act on that. And, of course, you'd be very embarrassed mm-hmm. and, you know, you would immediately um, try and cover it and so on. But what I'm saying, and that's where it's different from schizophrenia, where you don't know what's real and what isn't. So with this excessive daydreaming, you are daydreaming like everybody else, but you do it too much. And then it becomes so familiar mm-hmm. that you might start giggling or and somebody mm-hmm. says, you know, what's the joke? Oh, no, no, just something I thought. But and that's when you live yourself so much in those characters that that becomes you. Yes, and you can act it out. <laughs> you can. Around people who have done that. Now I'm wondering yeah. about where they potentially mm. drifted off in your presence. Yeah. Can it become yeah. addictive, though? Because it is a form of escapism. You know, I think it can. And I, I think especially if somebody just very stressed out and they haven't got much support. And I link it again. They haven't linked it yet, but I'm sure that they should. But if, if you link it to people who game, I think it's very similar to that. When gaming becomes your reality, mm-hmm. when you can't wait to get home so you can get into that game, be that avatar, connect with your online people who maybe you've never met, it's very similar. So perhaps they are the same thing. So on the one level, you're gaming. Mm-hmm. So you're actually engaging other people. On the other level, you're just gaming internally with yourself, mm-hmm. almost like a virtual reality inside. Mm. 
If we look at children who have imaginary friends um, who yes. engage in pretend play, uh, could yes. this could they be prone to maladaptive uh, uh, daydreaming, or is that the healthy version? You know, that's actually an excellent point because kids below six are in fantasy, and so we all are. And then after that, we have degrees of fantasy, some more than others. And you know, absolutely, if, if you're a child and you're a bit of a loner, and everyone else is playing a game and you're sitting there with your little lunchbox. It, it might be functional um, in short term mm-hmm. to actually you know, just go internal and just daydream a little bit. But longer term, you need to learn how to engage. So if it means that it'll keep you in that interaction, mm-hmm. if you've got a daydream just so that you don't run away and hide in the library or something, you can see that there would be a purpose there, just having a little bit of a time out and just you know having a little breather in your mind in fantasy just to keep you okay. Yeah. But it's like anything, anything in moderation, you know, avoidance in moderation is fine. Mm. So if you get home and you feel, oh, I just want to rest a bit before I get into my routine, that's not a problem. But if, if your rest becomes five hours, then it is a problem. Mm. You know, so it, it's always moderation and context. That's what you want to look for. Yes. Uh, does it have the, the potential to inform how we perceive our real lived lives, you know, in terms of the levels of our happiness or the choices we make around our happiness, you know, say I'm single and I enjoy daydreaming about some guy that I have a crush on, um, mm. not being with him or not uh, um, living out or not having that be my present or my real life. Uh, could yeah. that cause me to, to have discontent and dissatisfaction about being single? You know, I, th- I think it's probably what's more dangerous is the disconnect. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, you've got to come out of that dream at some point. And it's true what you say, that when you come out, it's, oh, no, I'm in this reality. I don't want to be. Yes. So, you know, then it would be more tempting to go back into the daydream. So this is, again, where I bring up the schizophrenia thing, that if you disconnect completely, that would be what we call psychosis yeah. or sometimes multiple personalities, dissociative disorder. But... For most people, if, you know, it's, it's very few people who disconnect completely. So I think if you've had this lovely fantasy, it's almost like having a dream. Yeah. And then you wake up, oh, why did you wake me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it can get in the way and you can actually feel that you can't cope with the real world and that you'd rather be in the fantasy world. Mm-hmm. And then you're setting yourself up because then you're disengaging. You're not going out. You're not meeting people because you'd far rather be in your fantasy world at home watching TV. Mm. Um, looking at one of the groups that we came across on Facebook, there's a woman who also commented there uh, saying that I'd rather stay home and daydream than go out. So yes. it can change how we interact. About. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's the problem because, you know, then it becomes self-fulfilling and you almost are, are more alive in your daydream than you are in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to meet somebody if you're not going to go out and interact. So that's exactly what you were saying, yeah. Very interesting. Let's take a break. My guest is Dr. Kalinda Linda, clinical psychologist and cognitive behavior therapist. We'll get into the treatment after the break, but we'll also take your calls on 011-8830702. Sean Van Veek on Twitter says, "Mm, now I have a medical term for falling asleep at work. Maladaptive daydreaming. (laughs) That's his excuse. 702, healthy lifestyle. It's 10 minutes to three and we're still with Dr. Kalinda Linda taking your calls this afternoon about daydreaming and maladaptive daydreaming, which is when it can easily interfere with our daily functioning. Let's hear from Peter next in Bedford View. Afternoon, Peter. Oh, how are you? I'm good. Welcome. 
Okay, we have a slightly different slant on that, you know. Mm -hmm. We know it is spontaneous meditation, this Mm -hmm. so-called daydreaming. Mm -hmm. It can be very constructive, Mm -hmm. and it can lead to behavior modification if one knows how to apply it correctly. Um, I'd hate to give the impression that when you're in this particular state of uh, or spontaneous meditation, that it's, it's, it's a fantasy world or whatever. It's not. It's not at all. All it is is the, um, the mind is relaxing and, and, and going into different uh, realities that mm-hmm. the person themselves have created. So um, if one has to study the um, hypnosis auto-suggestion, that very same state, in an auto-suggestive state, you can change uh, behavior modification. You can change how you think and how you feel. Mm-hmm. And very soon, that just passes. It's just, it's, it's, not even, it's not even a big thing. Right. Peter, when you say we, tell me about the discipline that you're referring to. Well, I can't really over the air. Ah. People that we study with, yeah. Okay, no problem. Thank you, Peter, in Bedford View. Uh, Dr. Linda, what do you think of that, that it can benefit the right. person? Look, there's a state called flow that has been quite fashionable for the last few years, and that is similar to the spontaneous meditation. Mm -hmm. And, of course, um, you know, meditation itself, there are many different forms. Some are TM to clear the mind, or you get Buddhist meditation, which is about focusing the mind. And I'm a big fan of that, you know, learning how to work with your mind or even in a flow state. But I think it's, it's always about moderation. So when you sit down to meditate, you're sitting down, you're giving yourself a period of time, maybe even up to an hour, and then you're going to stop. So exactly what he was saying, you can work within that state, you can, um, you know, create things in that flow state, but it's got to stop at some point and then you re-engage your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the difference, that with the maladaptive daydreaming, it's a split. It's almost you don't want to be in your life at all, really. You know, you'd far rather prioritize being in this other state. Mm. And then you're not really existing in the world. And then you're not getting as much benefit out of it. Mm. Um, in fact, I refer to the groups that now um, have come up on social media they've, that have just sprouted um, on pages, on um, platforms like Facebook, uh, where one person said that they couldn't keep their retail job because their mind just right. tended to wander very often, particularly during those quiet times. Uh, but the fantasy would play out in the background. Yeah. So I imagine that yeah. someone like this, it's difficult for them to be um, to, to function optimally in the workplace. Because it's sort of That's a distraction. Right. Yeah, yeah. And actually, um, you know, our practice, we do CBT, but we also do a lot of mindfulness work. Mm-hmm. And we were actually doing a workshop on the 8th of October. So if anybody wants to know, Great. they can go to the website, thecbtgroup.com. Mm-hmm. And a lot of why we cut off and we daydream and we get trapped in fantasies because of this, you know, we want to escape painful feelings mostly. So meditation is one way to handle that. And then mindfulness is another one where you learn how to actually tolerate being in the moment with those feelings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there are many things that you can do. You don't have to be an extreme daydreamer. But if you feel you're either not great at concentrating or, you know, you tend to daydream too much or it's a little bit just scattered all over the place, then something like this, meditation, mindfulness, that sort of thing, that would be a good practice to get into because then you've got a little bit more structure around what you're doing. Is that how you would treat it then? Yes. Yeah. So we would normally use mindfulness or meditation at the practice Mm -hmm. um, because it's all about keeping you present, fully present in the moment. And uh, again, that's the one way. The other way would be using CBT, which would be, you know, your fantasy is part of you, of course. 
So what you want, say, is a partner. So one way to get it is in fantasy, and another way to get it would be to start engaging, joining groups, you know, trying to connect with people. Mm. So we, we take what's part of you, which is your wish, mm. which you currently are using in fantasy, and then just help you make it realistic. I see. That taps into what Lebo is talking about on uh, the question that she has on Twitter saying, what if you aspire to live the life that you daydream about and you actively yes. work towards it? Is that also unhealthy? This strikes me as um, the, the, the healthy version. Yes. Yeah, because, you know, if you're more focused, if it's, okay, I dream of being in the corner office, okay, mm-hmm. so what needs to happen to get there? And, you know, where are you now? And so what do you need to change to start putting steps in motion to get to that goal? So fantasy, it's such a big word. Yeah. But I think if you get yeah. lost in anything, then we haven't got moderation anymore. And the point for me is that you need to have a bit of both. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing wrong with escaping a little. Think of when you go and watch a movie. It's the same thing, you know, you're suspending reality and identifying with different characters and a good book will do the same thing. But if you had to do that for hours and hours and then you don't turn up at work because you're in the movies or you're reading or you read all night, you know, we've all done that. Yes. That was, I certainly have. But if you had to do that consistently for, say, a month, you're going to have a problem in your functioning. Mm. So it's, everything's got its place. So I think that's the main thing. Nothing's yes. too extreme here. So books, movies, music, video games, and all sorts of other media are, are, can yes. be triggers. But if it starts to yes. interfere with everyday functioning, then it's a problem. So you said the yeah. 8th of October is when the CBT group um, will yes. have um, its conference. We're going, to, we're going to do a morning. It's called yes. The Path to Mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And mindfulness is about paying attention on purpose in the present and non-judgmentally. So we're very practical. So you'll learn how to do this with food. And you'll learn how to do this in your everyday life and then how to manage emotions. Great. So it's three hours, super practical. So hopefully we'll see you there. Thank you, Dr. Linda. Thanks so much. So it's uh, cbtgroup.com that's happening on the 8th of September, seminar on um, Path to Mindfulness.